This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our good friend, Laura Lee Smith. She is a real estate agent in the Bryan College Station, Texas and surrounding areas. And if you just want to know what the market's going to be doing in this crazy time, should I get my house ready to sell? Should I be looking to buy? Is this a buyer's market? Whatever your question may be, Laura Lee can definitely answer it and get you on the right track. That's why we chose her to find us our first home, and she did not disappoint. She answered all of our questions, made it simple and easy, and even found a lender that fit our needs. So if you're in the market or you just want to know what the market's doing, call or text her at any time, 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. Okay, this episode of the podcast was such an inspirational one with the founder of Compete Every Day, Jake Thompson. He has me inspired, had me fired up. I talked for so long afterwards. I'm still thinking about our conversation and how much fun it was. There was a few glitches at the first with the recording and the internet and everything was slow, but it was on track from there after the first couple minutes and just what a cool guy. I can't thank him enough. So please, everybody, welcome Jake Thompson. We're rocking and rolling. Jake, thank you so much for being on the show, man. This is like this is this is really cool. And I have to say, you are the creator of me and my wife's favorite pair of joggers I've ever owned. <laughs> Which uh so I have to ask when you got them, what year because we've gone through a few different iterations of them. Oh man, it would have been probably 3 years back at okay. All Cities already, Open. Okay, I already I already know which pair and everything. Yeah. We, uh, you know, I really like those, uh, that style, that manufacturer, um, they worked really well. We had issues with the sizing on them, uh, it just a little bit of inconsistencies and they are not cheap, uh, <laughs> blanks. And so we, we kind of had to phase them out, especially as, as you're aware, that whole space changed so dramatically. Uh, and we kind of got out of the event space altogether. We won't do any events this year. Uh, we did like three last year maybe uh so getting out of that space entirely was uh a little bit of a change for us but it's also had to change the products and things we carry solely because some of that stuff only moves well at events and and joggers is kind of one of those things that uh unless we're at events they move so slow for us so we we kind of had to phase very much that offering way down well, it was it was convenient for me at the time because I had been looking for them and I could never figure out like where the perfect like fit was. And then I went by that booth after like that lady with the foot massage was like. Then I was walking back and I saw I was like, oh, they have joggers and oh, they're perfect. This is awesome. So that that event life has to be. I've thought about that too. I mean, it has to be a really hard like setup. It's unknown how much business you're gonna get. I mean, it makes sense that you would want to eventually move out of that space like that. Well, you know, it's funny. Somebody asked me about it the other day. Um, they asked me what I missed about that stuff. And honestly, like, I, I mean, I did, I did events from 2012. I did a couple of them last year just kind of out of necessity because we, we've changed kind of our org. But, I mean, six years, seven years of events and – you know, 12, 2012, 13, 14, I bet I was on the road 40 weekends a year. And some of them were local regional events where you're driving in Saturday, you do it, you drive home. A lot where you leave Friday, you do the event Saturday and or Sunday and come home. 
And then obviously the big ones you're doing, you're flying in or driving in Wednesday. Uh, you're there setting up all day Thursday. You're working Friday, Saturday, Sunday on your feet all day. And then you're packing up and leaving Sunday night or Monday. And the unique aspect was I got to see so much of the country. I mean, I drove to Ohio, Indiana, uh, California, Vegas. Like I, I got to see a ton of the country, some really cool stuff, meet amazing people, which was a lot of fun, actually scale uh, and hire people to do the events. And, and we did to a degree, uh, but I still worked a lot of them. And, and so me getting to meet people and have firsthand experience with folks of learning feedback and what they liked and what they didn't and what moved really helped me uh, from a business standpoint. But I, I'll tell you, I don't miss the packing up the going, the setting up early. I miss being there, but uh, yeah, you're right. You would have, it's a hit or miss. Like in some of the events we spent the most money to be at and attend from an inventory prep standpoint, from a booth space, travel, staff, they weren't that fruitful for us. Uh, and so once I, may, I started seeing the industry change for us as a vendor in 2015, and thought we had more time than we did. I was like, we have about two and a half years to go all in and then we get out. And really we had about a year and a half uh, and then we needed to get out. So that gave us kind of a lump we took 2017 and, and early 18 that was a little rough. Uh, but making the moves that we did, even though it forced us to take a step back, actually better position the brand for the long term, which is kind of what matters most, the, the longevity piece. Yeah, and I'm. I mean, what did you do before, like all of the? How did you start this whole clothing company? And then I definitely want to get into the public speaking and the name and all that because that's what draws me to it anyway. But um, what? Where did you like get the idea? What did you do before the the clothing part? Yeah, so I, I've had a pretty interesting career. Um, Initially, my goal, like growing up, was to be the next Jerry Maguire sports agent. Like, that's what I wanted. I wanted to do it uh, from uh, when I graduated college till early 40s. I wanted to retire, and then I just wanted to coach high school football in Texas. Like, I had that mapped out in my head. I was going to do the agent thing to stay around the game, to build connections, to build wealth. Then I wanted to retire. Uh, when I was 40 and still young enough that I could get into coaching uh, and just coach high school football in Texas. And that was kind of where I was, my head was, what I wanted to do. And I went to TCU over in Fort Worth, uh, started interning for an agent uh, that was based out of Austin. He worked at a mid-sized firm, so I was interning for him. Uh, I had to immediately go to grad school at the University of Dallas here in Irving to get my master's in sports business due to some NFL uh, agent restriction changes they made in terms of their guidelines. Um, and the agent left. He started his own thing. I followed probably not my best move uh, because of the more I got to see how he operated, the more I got to see some of the underbelly of the, the industry, um, the more I didn't want to be in it. Um, and I think the path would have changed a little bit had I been closer aligned with one of the owners of the agency, uh, had I met some of the agents I now know who are fantastic uh, men and women of character and, and they're just great people and so but I didn't and so for me you're looking at fall toward the end of 2008 I'm finishing grad school with an MBA in sports business I have about four years between internship and working at this agency I interned with some local sports teams uh, 
and I had no idea what I was going to do, how to get a job because the economy sucked. Uh, and so here I am, a guy with non-traditional work experience, not what they want to see on a resume, uh, MBA, really odd job, sales, commission, sports world, um, and couldn't get anything from like even seasonal jobs at like Best Buy. Like it was kind of a, a slap in the face to me, a piece of humble pie. And so I just started freelancing, uh, marketing design, uh, social media was still really early on, but I was very fortunate to get connected with some people that were uh, some power players in the space, learn from them, and just really started helping companies to understand uh, the importance of using social as a resource and a communication device versus just a one-way billboard and, and megaphone. And so I did that for a number of years, worked with a minor league football team, a couple of big international telecom companies, technology groups, e-commerce, kind of built a decent little e-commerce business or a consulting business, excuse me, but I wasn't satisfied with it. it uh, there were a couple of problems. First is, is like anything, when you're in that consulting space, time is money and there's only so many hours in a day that you can sell. And for me... I knew that I would never be able to scale it unless I built this agency or team of, of consulting, um, which terrified me a little bit because I'd started in the recession. So I saw how lean sometimes you had to play in that. The second thing was it was very inconsistent. Uh, you know, the, the consulting is kind of an up and down game for a lot of groups. You know, one of my clients I had for two years they hired a replacement and then six, eight months later, they're trying to hire me back as a consultant. So you, you deal with a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and then lastly, from a personal standpoint, I just wasn't satisfied. I wasn't fulfilled with my work. There wasn't anything there that was firing me up in the morning. Um, and so I read a book by a guy named uh, Million Miles in a Thousand Years uh, by a guy named Donald Miller. Uh, and it's about the power of story. And the way we live our life, the things we say, the way we, the actions we take, tell other people what we value and what we believe is important. And reading that book, and especially talking about the power of story, he makes the example, and I've never forgotten it, in that if we went to a movie, which I love movies, so it really stuck with me. If we went to a movie and watched a two-hour movie about a guy that wanted a brand new BMW, some really nice car. And he worked for two hours, and at the end of the movie, he got the BMW, drove off, roll credits. Like, we would feel robbed as a moviegoer. There's no conflict. There's no reason to cheer for this guy. Like, he literally just works. He's diligent, gets his car, and drives off. And Miller argues that so many of us live our lives that same way. And it wasn't a shot on gaining wealth. It wasn't a shot on anything like that. It was a shot on, are you willing to step into conflict? Are you pursuing something bigger than yourself? And then Miller's third point is, are you inviting others to join you? Are you making it a story? And, and he argued, if you look at everything from Star Wars, Indiana Jones, the great movies, great stories, they all center around characters who will step into the unknown, into conflict, take a chance, risking for something bigger than themselves and invite others alongside them. And when I read that, I was like, I got to change the way I'm living. Like my story sucks. And, and it was a giant sandcastle. Like for me, it was this giant sandcastle that was going to wash away. And so I just started toying with this idea. I'd always been, loved sports. I'd always been competitive. I started playing with this idea of competing every day. And it, and it started as, I think something, I think the first iteration was called like stacked. 
and then it had I forgot what the next name was, but it was all these different iterations of pursuing your best life. What would it look like to do your best in every area every day? And eventually, I was on a ski trip with two buddies at the end of 2010. And we're driving through the middle of the night, essentially, to Durango. Uh, and I just threw out, I was like, what do you guys think about compete every day? And I was kind of mocking something up on a computer. And uh, the guys were like, man, that fits you like to a T. And they both kind of encouraged me to look at it. And so I spent six, eight months tinkering with this idea, not knowing what I wanted to do with it. I was going to make a fitness wellness portal for everything Dallas-Fort Worth with a couple of investors and a developer. Nothing developed there. Then I looked at youth sports camps and, and partnering in the athlete space again and didn't really get traction there. And so eventually my best friend, who's my roommate at the time, one of the guys on the ski trip, said, have you heard of the company Life is Good? based out of Boston. Most of us have seen them in airports all over the country because it's literally a little stick figure guy and just says life is good. There's coffee mugs, shirts, you name it. Ironically, that stick figure's name is Jake. And <laughs> my roommate was like, you should look at how these guys built this company. And I think you should try t-shirts. I just got involved in CrossFit uh, it seemed, you know, looking at that space, people had disposable income, they were wearing t-shirts, you know, maybe I could do that. And so I just kind of started talking to people about this idea of competing every day. And I would see how it would resonate differently with different people. And I was like, maybe there's something here. And so he and I were scheduled in uh, early 2011 to go to New Zealand on a guy's trip. We were we were saving money. We were planning to go at the end of the year uh, around kind of the holidays when it would be summer in New Zealand. Uh, March 2011 rolls around. My biggest consulting client went out of business. Startup ran out of money. So I came home at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday from their office in this meeting and, and grab a beer and sit on the couch. And my roommate's like, what's going on? I was like, you know, they're out of money, so I've got to figure something out consulting-wise because they were, they were kind of my breadwinner. And the next day, he got laid off uh, from his company, letting a lot of their uh, offices go. And so we were like, do we go? And he ended up spending his, bud his budget on an engagement ring for his wife, um, which I can't blame him for. Uh, but instead of taking the trip solo, I said, I'm going to run with this T-shirt thing. And so I threw mine into a few boxes of T-shirts and tanks. Uh, horribly printed, ugly design, but ran with it and started selling them out of the back of my car behind a CrossFit gym in North Dallas just to anyone that would give me the time of day. What? That's so awesome. I, You know what book I just finished? I don't know if you've read it, but uh, This Is Not a T-Shirt by Bobby Hundreds. I know, so I've seen it. I haven't read it, but I, but I have seen it. Um, and I know the premise of it, which is, is right in line. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. It. it is. It's crazy. And it, it really is. It's like you said so many awesome things there. That book that you read, I'm definitely taking a note down because that like, that stuff fires me up too. It like gets my wheels turning in my head and start thinking about the different things that I can do. But So Miller, I want to point on Miller. Donald Miller wrote a book, his first book, I was probably in college, called Blue Light Jazz. And it's kind of his spiritual journey, faith journey. And 
the movie directors approached him about making it into a movie. And so this book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, is his experience working with movie producers trying to turn this first book into a movie. And what he learns about movies and stories and the importance of conflict and, and adversity and challenges and draws parallels to life. And ironically enough, I recommend his one of his newer books called Building a Story Brand Now to almost every business owner because he takes the same concepts from a million miles and you helps businesses better communicate what they do and how they help people, how they tell that story. And so that's a fascinating from a business standpoint, it's a crazy turn, but I can't recommend that book enough, regardless of kind of where you are from a, a faith or spiritual standpoint, because I think it challenges you to evaluate what kind of story is my life telling other people? Well, it makes it makes a really awesome point too. Is is and I've talked about it a lot lately. I've had this conversation because my grandparents grew up through the depression, and they, you know they were older when they had my dad. So I got to hear and see, fr- like from them, what it was like then. Yeah. And and you know owning businesses in the past and then having one that went under and because of outside reasons, you know it's it's a uh, like going through struggle. Is I don't I wouldn't want to trade it for anything because it it it's important to like build your character your strength and like times like this where people panic and they go out and they do crazy things panic's never a good look nothing ever good comes from being panicked nobody and, ever wants to follow the panicked captain no and so like when you're saying that you're like yes we you have to have that struggle that's exactly like you don't want to search for it and give yourself struggle but. It's good for you to put yourself in tough situations where things are hard. Like, look at your company. You told basically the same story. Like, you lost your biggest client, and then your roommate gets laid off, like, in a day's time. And then outcomes compete every day. Yeah, it's it's funny. It, the, the struggle piece, we don't ask for it. But what what happens is in those moments, we have the opportunity and the choice to be a victim or a victor. And we really get to decide. We don't ultimately get to decide how far we go, but we get to decide the attitude we have of either I'm going to make something of this situation or I'm just going to let this situation control me. And that's what we're seeing, especially right now with, with COVID and everything else, is people are having to make those choices. And we're, you know, I, I've talked to people that have been laid off recently, and it's astounding the difference in their attitudes and knowing what their attitudes are, I'll know how they'll get out of this because they've both been laid off. They both don't know where the next paychecks are. But some people are like, you know what? Here's what I'm doing. Here's how I'm taking action. Here's how I'm approaching it. I can't change it, but hey, I can do something about it. And the other people are just getting mad and saying, well, nobody knows what it's like, and I'm just going to complain. And that really is a choice. And it's the same with the brand competition. Like the beauty of competition for me is you are not guaranteed to win. But in competition, getting into that position, whether it's in sports or life, you win or you discover what it's going to take to get there. And for a lot of us, we need to get in there. We need to compete. We need to lose because we have to better understand the gap because in our heads, it's never what we think it is. Like we may think we're better and stronger and smarter than we actually are. But getting into that arena, getting into those rooms where we're not the smartest causes us to understand better the gap of where we are now and the por- the person we're trying to become or the place we're trying to go. And once you start to see that gap, then you can start figuring out how to cross it. 
Yeah, and you first you have to test yourself. Like that's one thing that you can look at an athlete and my dad was a division 1 athlete and so was, you know, my wife's dad was a division 1 athlete. So it, it's kind of like I've been around that sort of attitude and yeah. and you you're going like unless you put yourself out there, unless you go and you try and you want to play against the best and you want to get beat by the best. Like if somebody's going to beat you, you want them to be the best. And but if you're too scared to set foot in that arena and embarrass yourself or possibly embarrass yourself, then you're never going to actually know or what it takes to, to get to that point. Exactly right. Exactly and, right. And so like, that's where I love to compete every day too, because just seeing it on your shirt. And then I realize like, I say it all the time too, like compete every day. Like it's in my mind. You're like, you just got to compete every day. You just, and the, the mistake a lot of us make and the mistake I run into with most people when I'm having these conversations is the confusion between competition and comparison being one and the same. And especially now as adults, uh, you know, competition we get in sports. We line up, we're across from an opponent. But even if we're lined up across from an opponent in basketball and football, you name it, we still only control ourselves. Like, yes, we're trying to stop them, but if I'm a wide receiver lined up across from a defensive back, I'm not competing against them. I'm competing to see, am I going to be faster? Can I be faster than I was in practice? Do Am I running this route the way I know to? Am I controlling me? And that's what it is in life. And, and I've talked about it a, a number of times in the past, and it's kind of my, my go-to analogy, but it's like track. If you take off sprinting for a finish line 100 meters straight ahead of you, and then you start caring and wondering what everybody else is saying or where everybody else on the track is or who's in the stands, then you start looking for them. You're looking to your left, your right, behind you, and physically your body will not run at top speed unless your shoulders are facing forward, your head is focused on your finish line that's straight ahead. If you're looking anywhere else but straight ahead, if your shoulders are twisted, if you're doing anything but running forward, you slow down. You run out of your lane, you fall down, you fail to reach your true potential. And the same applies to life. If we're so constantly distracted by everyone else, by looking at what everyone else is doing, trying to keep up with the people ahead of us or behind us, instead of just saying, how am I going to show up better today? How am I going to do this better today? How am I going to improve on this? Then you're never going to understand what you're actually capable of, which is the most important thing for all of us is to discover how much we have within us because the worst thing that I think can happen is we get to the end of our life and we realize we still have a lot left in the tank. Like we never fully tapped into what we could do because we were comparing ourselves to others. We were worried what other people might think. Anything like that, uh, I think, has got to be one of the biggest fears in life. It, re- it really is, but you don't realize it in the moment. It's like when I've, I I was really, really shy like growing up. I, if you knew me, I would talk to everybody. Like, I mean, my, like once you got to know me, but it was really, really hard. I usually had to have something like athletics or an activity to like really bond with somebody first before I started opening up. And I just, that, that was just me. I didn't like being in front of people, talking in front of people, whatever. It that wasn't me. But then out of necessity, and you grow up in a family business and then, uh, and whatever, I had to become a salesman, like commission sales rep. And yep. that terrified me terrified me like I was so scared because it like the whole going in and talking and try to sell somebody and convincing them with my words to purchase from me about who I am you know and I'm like yeah. who am I I'm I'm just a kid man who am I I don't even know I like to rollerblade 
and I like extreme sports and I like athletics. What, what else is there? You know? And, uh, you know, they don't want to hear my jokes. And then I real like you go in and you embarrass yourself so many times and I can, I know my face is red and uh, like just crazy bad, like embarrassing. And I can remember several moments, but then I realized in the middle, like after getting used to it, that I actually not only did it would not scare me anymore, but I actually love it. Like it's one of my favorite things to do is to talk to people and to meet them and to figure it out. And now it comes so easy, but it was going through that little struggle part and I had to every day. Like I had to go in every day because if I didn't, I wouldn't get a paycheck. Yeah. You know, it was, it was kill or be killed at that point. And, and, um, I couldn't worry about what the other sales reps were selling, even though there are six of them, you know, I just had to go in and I figured out that actually selling stuff is not about the price or the product or whatever. It's about the relationship you build with that human being. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah. And so that, that sort of thing teaches you all sorts of lessons and, and, uh, and it's just, it's like so impact, it's impactful on my life and, that's why like it really resonates with me the not comparing yourself to others but the competing against others i mean against yourself like just be better than you were my i have one of those on it mugs i had to buy it cuz i saw it and i was in austin it was musashi on there and it and it says uh it, it's like it talks about being uh defeating yourself of yesterday like be better than yourself it's basically yours compete every day be better the yeah. next day well, you know, one of the things and one of the books I'm working on, I've got four or five in the queue, uh, but it's about the one question that can change your life. And, and I've got a keynote over it that I, I talk about, but it's literally asking yourself the question every day, how can I be better? And if you ask yourself that question every morning, what can I do better today? You'll start to show up more at home for your family. You'll start to hit those sales calls because you're not worried about everybody else. You'll start to be in better shape because you're not going immediately for that pizza and, instead of that chicken. Like, How can I do better today is the one question I think changes people's life. And I think a lot of times we gloss over it. But if we get into a point of just asking it, you're not worried about everybody else. You're worried about yourself and how you're going to build on that day after day. Well. And what was it like relying on yourself? Like when that moment is like you're, you went from, you know, you have all the degrees, you have, you know, all the education, you've met crazy cool people. Now you're selling t-shirts out of a trunk behind a CrossFit gym. Uh, pride was a, a killer. Uh, it was tough, it, you know, especially, and it's a, it's a double-edged sword for a number of reasons. And, and I say that because... As a brand, you want to look big. You want to look like everything's together. You don't want to look like it's a small team or a one guy that's starting because you're worried people will automatically assume the products are that way. And so you try to look bigger than you actually are. But at the same time, you're like, man, I'm, you know, staying here at the Holiday Inn and where can I get the best deal? And I'm trying to, you know, I'm selling these behind my car or, you know. And for me, I was consulting and taking just enough money on consulting to keep my bills paid because it took us a couple of years of selling t-shirts to get where I could make any kind of income on it, where I could live off of it. And 
you know, it was, it was tough, and it was still really tough. And, and honestly, the breaking point for me was when 2017, because we 2016 was our best year, hands down across the board. Events were massive for us. Online was strong. Uh, we had some big hits, and I was really starting to get cocky. Uh, just internally, I was like, man, we're on the right path. Like, screw these young companies trying to come in. Like, we're going to do something. And I was like, man, and my focus was like, we're going to change the world. And I told my team that. I was like, we are going to change this. But I was like, we have to make pivots. Like, I can see where this needs to go. And I was having problems because I kept testing stuff of like, is this going to work? Is this going to work? Is this going to work? Because I just knew we had to shift our model. And then 2017 hit, and literally the bottom dropped out of us. Uh, I lost my tail financially in 2017 because events went from, we'll say, paying one of my team's full-time salaries in our nets to us losing money on the whole. So not only does that impact how much we're selling, total sales numbers, but our gross profit margins bottomed out. And we lost a ton of money that year. And so I had to take on a ton of debt to keep us afloat. But I knew it was the right move because in 2016, at the end of 2016, I made gambles for the five years from now. So 2021. The problem, because I was like, well, if 2016 is this good, 2017, we're only going up. That's what we're doing every year. We keep going up. Not expecting 2017 to bottom out. But the gambles I made, even though it tied one hand behind our back for 2017 and early 2018, it actually has put us in the position of last year and this year to where we've flown past where we were. Like we are far and away accelerating. But it was one of those moves that at the time, like you just swallow your pride and you're like, you know, what are we going to do to get through this? Like I I opened up and took some part-time consulting work. I had a couple of companies approach me about – Helping just kind of from a strategic level in 2016, 15, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been like, no, we're good. But 17, <laughs> I was like, I've got to do this because I got into the groove and, and I did a podcast on this of like, it's not a step back if it's ultimately getting you to where you want to go. Like put aside the pride, put aside what you think other people think about and just say, if this gets me to where I want to go, if this helps us stay afloat, if this puts us in a position in 2020 and 2021 where I think we can be and we can make a better impact, then I'm going to eat dirt and do whatever I have to do right now. And, and I think we get so worried about that now. And, and I see it and when I talk to people, they're like, well, I'm worried what per- this person will say or I don't want to lose this, this paycheck. And I'm like, but what if you can make more four years from now? What if you take a step back financially now, but it puts you in a better position where you're making far and away more four years from now? And sales is a big piece of that. Commission only. That's scary. Like you take a cut. And I've got a guy that I I get lunch with once a month, and he took a big gamble. And he was terrified because it cut his salary off initially, but long term it was a better play. And it took him grinding through the year and him and his family working through it. And now he's rolling. But it's just one of those things where like that kind of kicked my pride. And it's one thing I continually go back to of like, I mean, if you, if you notice now, like I'm posting more videos in our Facebook group, I'm posting more online. I kind of got tired of being like, I've got to have a perfect setup, perfect everything. I'm just going to start recording, sharing it because I care more about who we can impact 
than trying to look like some of these other brands that have bigger budgets and teams and whatnot. I need to stop comparing and just see what we can do to help. Well, I mean, and you're really, really good. Like I, I only know from you know recently discovering. I just thought you know these joggers were awesome. It's some big company, and oh well, you know I never really knew that much about the company because one, I've never really been on social media till I got this podcast. To tell you the truth, <laughs> but um, but the you're really good at it. And then I read that post today, and I was like, man, that was like what you said was really, really true. Like being yourself and telling your story. And then it's like, what is your story? Like, it's it's who you are. That's what your story is. It's not it's not like where you came from or, you know, you're trying to bring to light some, certain things. It's just who you are as a human. How do you think, what comes genuinely from your heart? And then just let that roll. And, and the, the crazy thing is we discredit ourselves so much in that regard. And, and I say that because we're so used to our story. And the number one excuse you hear is there's nothing special about me. There's nothing big deal. Because we know our story so well, we live it. But to other people, it's crazy. They're like, tell me how you do that. Like, I don't understand how you've done that or do that. And so we always discredit ourselves. It's it's the reason most people fail to launch a podcast, start a business, do whatever. They have knowledge. But in their head, all they're seeing are these people on social media that are five to ten years ahead of them. And they're like, well, that person's already doing it. Nobody cares what I have to say. Everybody already knows this. And I was guilty of that on on the marketing side because I have conversations with with people at my keynotes and just basic social media stuff. And they're like, what? How do you do that? I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, we don't have a clue how to do that. Like we take for granted the knowledge we have and the things we've developed as everyone has it when in reality we don't. And, And the big piece of that that my coach, my speaking coach taught me and kind of drilled into my head is for lack of a better phrase, I'm always introduced as a motivational speaker. Uh, I love and try to steer toward leadership and grit, but motivational speaker is the bucket I'm in, which is good because that's something apparently companies always, always love a rain or shine on the, on the industry. But the thing about it is I told him, I was like, I'm going up against people that are, They've been homeless, like they've had drug addictions, like they've got these wild and crazy stories. I will never relate to that. How am I supposed to get to that level? And he laughed. He's like, one, you're comparing. Stop. He's like, but two, how many people in your audience, say you're doing an audience of a thousand people, you have a thousand people in an an audience auditorium you're speaking to. How many people in there are going to be able to relate to being homeless or drug addicted? And then how many people are going to be in there going to be able to relate of having no motivation, struggling in a marriage, uh, not knowing how they're going to pay their bills next month, building like they have other stories. He's like, you have to stop looking at the outliers. He said their stories are amazing. They're going to inspire people. He said, but you have an opportunity to connect with people because their stories aren't as extreme. But to them, it's their big world. How can you help them in that world? And when he told me that, it just kind of goes back to that thing we're talking about. Like everyone's story has potential in it to help others. We just have to stop looking at it as it's so ordinary to everyone when in reality it's just ordinary to us because we're used to it. Yeah. And like, you know, you've lived, you, it's not really a big deal to you because you know, like all you look at is your failure. That's me. I all I look at is the spots where I can improve. How can I improve? Let's go there. Um, it's no big deal. Like I did that, like, okay, whatever. You you don't remember that part of it, you know, like you don't remember it being 
great because you're humble at the same time. You know, you're like, whatever, yeah. it's not that big a deal. The people who aren't humble are usually the most boring ones to talk to. But, um, but it's such a, it's, that's such an important thing um, to like that I figured out in this podcast is that everybody has a story. Everybody's interesting. They've come from someplace. But a lot of times I, and I've kind of narrowed mine down to like, I'm always comparing myself when I, when I say comparing, I mean, I'm looking to the level I want to be as if I'm playing basketball, it's going to be LeBron James. It's going to be everybody on the NBA floor. If you're on the NBA floor, that's, I don't care about anybody lower than you. That's who I'm looking at and comparing my abilities to. And that's where I want to be. And it's like that with everything that I did, you know, every, and to this day, like if I hear myself host this show, I go, Oh, you, sh- you did, you could have done better there, you know. This- but, but the beauty is, is hearing that, and then making a note. So the next time you're in that spot, here's how I'm going to ask that question better. Yeah, like that's that's the difference of getting caught in that negative self loop, where you're like, man, I should have done that better. Versus next time, I'm going to do that better, and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm really glad you said that and pointed that out because I can say it and sound that way, but that's exactly what I do. I go, oh, I start to think and mentally practice in my head at certain moments i gotta say this here i gotta say this here i gotta say this here and then finally it comes to like oh yeah it went good (laughs) i mean because with i and it no lie like what you're doing like with podcast hosting it's just like anything else like we want to get to this certain level we want to be immediately the joe rogan where he's got you know the most followers but it we forget how many reps Joe Rogan has of just talking to people and building out content and, and doing all of those things that we forget that. And so with us, like, man, I go back, I did a podcast for like 28 episodes five, six years ago, and then just stopped it because I was like, meh, I don't think it's really that good. I don't really know what I want to do with it. I'm losing some direction on it. And so I stopped. And I'm like, I kick myself now of like, if I just stuck with that podcast, I would be, because we started the Compete One at the end of 17, 2017, I think. Um, and if I'd stuck with the other one, I'd have extra two years, another hundred episodes worth of content, oh. worth of interviews, worth of lessons to teach. And, and so that, I kick myself on that end because I'm like, oh. But it's just like, how can I get the reps and then how can I continually remind myself that it's all about just getting reps to get better? I love it. I love the getting reps part. I say that all the time. It's just a rep. Like every rep, you're going to get better. You you know that for sure with the public speaking. Public yeah. speaking is rhythm, timing, and it is reps. You have, There is nothing – you could read all the books you want. And I love that you said you had a coach too. I was going to point that out. Like we kind of yeah, got off on everything. And but. I, I actually have a couple and I invested pretty heavily uh, with the coach. And it was one of the moves I made at the end of 2016 that financially put us in a tighter spot. But I, I saw him coach people. I went to their conference. I saw him work with people. And I said, if I'm going to do this, if I'm, if I'm committed to doing this and I believe this is the path that I need to be going down, this is who I need to work with. And so part of it was I saw someone that I knew could help me and I needed to hire them. 
I needed to pay for their services because they were worth the investment. And the investment also put a fire under my butt to say, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do my best while I'm there training. I've got skin in the game. And then when I finish, I'm getting as many stages as possible to make that money back. And then I left there from the performance side and I hired another guy who's a friend of mine who I've known for 10 years now who trains on the business of speaking. And I hired him and I said, hey, I want to go through your online course. I want to learn how to do the business side effectively. And so I hired two different coaches as well as have a mentor in the space. So it's like anything. Like we think from a fitness standpoint, we want to go get a coach, new training. We got to do, we want to be better at Olympic lifting. We need the one-on-one sessions with a coach. Like it's the same thing in anything we want to do. We just have to make somewhat of an investment in it, in ourselves, which sometimes putting down a little bit of money that scares you is usually a good thing because it means you're going to do it. Because I can tell you all the stuff I get for free, the free course, try this. I don't do it. If I do, I breeze through it. Like there's no emotional investment. But man, when there's money on the line, you're invested and you're going to do it. You go in well with it. So yeah, I, I hired them. I still talk to them. Uh, I, I love them to death. I've referred a ton of folks to both groups, depending on if they want to focus on performance of the business. Uh, but yeah, they, they changed my career and, and dramatically, but I, I'm a huge proponent of coaching and mentorship because uh, I, it just took me too long to find it. So what, what prompted you to get the coach in the first place? Like as far as to start speaking in general, like to do the public speaking, did you get hired beforehand or is it something you yeah. just wanted to do? I did. So back in 2014, 2014? Yeah, 2014, uh, I got a call from Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. It's the largest children's hospital down there. And uh, this lady, Marilyn, who is the executive assistant to the head of HR, said, hey, we want to buy some T-shirts. I'm like, okay. She's like, we need about 150. I was like, oh, okay. For me at the time, I'm like, this is a big deal. Like, what can we do? And it turned out they were having an HR week. And the head of HR, her name is Linda Aldred. I'm, I'm forever indebted to her. Uh, her son had found us on Twitter. He was a college baseball player at the time. Loved it. Started retweeting us. She sees it, loves it, starts following us. Said, hey, I want to tell, I want to spread this compete every day message, this life is worth competing for message for HR week. So they buy all these shirts. And then they call me back and said, hey, we want you to come speak. I was like, what? I was like, what do you want me to talk about? They're like, just tell us your story and whatnot. And so I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, they're like, well, what's your fee? I was like, I don't have one. It's, you're in Houston. Just fly me down so I don't have to drive. So like, done. So they fly me down. I show up in a Compete Everyday t-shirt. I still have the pictures. Backwards hat on. I'm so casual, like not even knowing in the speaking space. And I had some note cards, and I'd been working on this talk about my story and a couple of takeaways. And I finished afterwards and, and took these pictures and I'm talking to everybody. I'm like, oh, that's fun. And Linda <clears throat> kind of pulls me aside and said, you need to do more of this. And I was like, what? She's like, I think you need to do more of this. So I just kind of casually put it off to the side. And, and over the next year and a half, I started getting asked by different companies or associations, networking groups, just come talk to us. And it was all just come tell your story. Come talk about Compete Every Day. And I really enjoyed it. And a lot of the times it was Q&A, we'd get into business and I could say, hey, here's where I messed up and da-da-da. And, and 
still didn't quite understand the space. And my team at the time, we start brainstorming 2015 of, of where the new directions are. And they're all like, you need to do more. Like, we need to put your face up there more. And I had been very gun shy to do that because I'd hired a consultant in 2011 or 12 to help us. And he pretty much said, you need to get out of the limelight. Like, it needs to be all brand, all top athletes. Like, you don't need to have any part of it. Just do your stuff over there. And I took that to heart because I was thinking, well, that's how Nike does it, and that's how Under Armour does it, and, you know, those guys are behind the scenes. So I tried that, and and so I kind of struggled internally with that. Uh, But my team was like, you need to be up more. Like, you need to be doing more videos. You need to be out there more. And so I was like, okay. And so I went to a social media marketing world annual conference in San Diego, watched this this specific coach um, who had read his book. I watched him do this hour and a half class where he's teaching and taught and teaching, speaking, literally pull people on stage, have them start their talks and then work with them. And I was just fascinated by it. And so I go and look at their, their conference, which was that fall. And I was like, oh, I got a conference a couple days before on the other coast. It's not cheap. I was like, oh, I'll think about it. And so I later left that conference, and I start thinking about it more and more and talking to my team about it. And they're like, listen, we're having a really good year. Like, we think you need to speak more just out getting the message out. So, okay, I'll just go to this guy's conference. And so I'm, it's funny. I'm sitting in Vegas. And I took a red eye from Vegas to Fort Lauderdale to go to this conference. And as I'm getting ready to board the plane, I get an email from a girl, um, girl, woman, Samantha McCain, who I'll give a shout out to. She is currently the head of PR for the city of Hattiesburg. But at the time, she worked for uh, Southern Miss, and she was the uh, head running the PR Association of Mississippi's annual conference for 2017. She emailed me and said, hey, I want you to come keynote our conference. And she said, I followed your brand for a few years. I love your message. I want you to come speak. And I was like, Oh, okay. Perfect timing. I'm going to this speaking conference. This is perfect. And as I'm at the conference, I get to the speaker conference and I'm sitting there and I get in kind of laden as anybody on a red eye, like you're just out of it. So I'm drinking some coffee and they go to a breakout. I'm sitting at this breakout and it's a bunch of little tables and I start looking around the room. And I start recognizing some big speakers in the marketing space, guys that I know make serious money on stages. And I'm watching them, and they are fast and furiously taking notes. And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) Like if those guys are paying this much attention and taking this many notes, and I know how much money they're making. I I mean, I didn't even have a clue how much money they were making. I just knew it was a lot. I said, then these guys are on to something. And so I started asking them about it. And they're like, yeah, we've worked with Michael and Amy and da-da-da. And so at the end of the the deal, like most conferences, they make the pitch on, on their program. And it's not a cheap program. And I remember looking at it and thinking, I've never spent this much money on something. And it was essentially what I paid for was I went to Philadelphia for five days, four straight months. And they called it grad school because it was essentially you were in session from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. working with a vocal coach, writing coach, performance, I mean, everything. And at the end of that month, like, you you had a better deal. And it's funny because the videos at the beginning are so dramatic from the videos at the end. And I said, man, I said, if I'm going to do this, I was like, this, I've got to, this is it. 
Like, this is my opportunity to do this. And I said, at the very least, I'm going to be better at telling our story. But I said, on the good end, maybe I can do this. I'm already getting hired to do one. Maybe I can do this. And when I left, I went and did the keynote at Mississippi. Literally, I finished the program in March. I gave the keynote in April. And my friend, when I walked off the stage afterwards, she was like, you need to dramatically raise your fee. <laughs> and I was like, what? She's like, you vastly undervalue yourself as a speaker. I was like, oh, I learned that whole lesson right off the bat. Like, we're good now. <laughs> and she laughed. And she was like, thank you. And, and as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, now I need to go hire Grant to learn the business side. And I just, there's something for me about being on that stage it doesn't scare me. It excites me. And it's really just the opportunity to, to do this. At the end of the day, Compete is all about helping people build a winning mindset for life. It's to shift gears from that victim-type mentality to how can I be a victor? How can I take personal responsibility in whatever situation I have? How can I just keep showing up? Because the people around me need to see somebody showing up. That's always been the core. That's always been what we're about. There's only so much I can do with a T-shirt. There's only so far I can take that message. And as with all apparel, we have to mix in some fun stuff here or there that's relevant for that active audience. But when I'm on stages, I can tell more stories. And I can take that to a new level. And I can start to see people kind of get it. And then I can give you tools and tactics to try it. And then obviously the book and all the other pieces go in that direction. But it was really kind of that moment that I was like, this is really where I'm meant to go. And, it, and it's funny because looking back now, 20 years ago, I'm 36, 20 years ago, my East Texas Baptist church pastor told my mom I was going to be a preacher one day. And I laughed. I was like, buddy, you do not know what I do on the nights and weekends. I am not going to be a pastor. And it's funny because now I'm on stages. And it, it's just funny how it's culminated. My mom's a teacher. My grandmother's a teacher. My aunt and uncle are teachers. I'm essentially teaching from a stage. How all of this stuff has come together around it. But like you said, it's reps. Like my first keynote, like I would love to go back and give that sucker now because you always learn something. Yep. But I've given those talks. I mean, the talk I gave, I wrote an email a couple weeks ago when I was in Omaha, literally about to take the stage. <laughs> I've done the talk 50 times. Like, I know it. I've done this talk over two to three years, we'll say 50 times, plus probably another 100 here in my office just rehearsing. Like, it's just getting the reps. So that way, when I get on stage, I can completely modify my intro to talk about Omaha and Peyton Manning and calling an audible in that moment because I know the rest of it. It's literally, it's weird, but if you rehearse it, it's like any, it's like weightlifting, it's like running. If you rehearse it enough, it's almost like third person at times. And I say that because you're telling a story, and in the back of your head, you're evaluating and talking about certain things. Like, you, you're just seeing it and, and being like, okay, I need to do this next time. Oh, I need to take a breath here. And you're not thinking about, oh, what do I have to say next because you've rehearsed it so much. I love that. I love that. And you know, one way you can tell that you're 100% genuine with your message is something that you said, you're like telling your story about it. You didn't charge the Texas hospital anything. And then you had no clue what the market was on speaking. You just wanted to share your message. I'll tell, I'll tell you, 
nobody knows every every speaker I've ever laughed I've talked to laughs about their first few fees because nobody knows and if you're never in that industry you don't actually know what some of these speakers make like celebrities they're in a whole other vein they're they're at the fifty thousand dollars a keynote type deal like they're in a other space but really really good speakers make twenty to forty thousand dollars to talk That's... which is mind blowing to me um, but my very first gig my Southern Miss people. When she emailed me, I spent 30 minutes writing the email response back. And it was literally 30 minutes. It was me writing my fee is $500. No, 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 it's $1,000. No, 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 that's way too much, way too much. $500 in travel. No, 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 maybe $250. Like I did that for 30 minutes before finally I just sent it. I was like, it's $1,000 in travel. And sent And she responded in 20 seconds. Like literally it was ding, great, perfect, sign up. And I was like, was way too low. Yeah, you like, love at that, that point. Like, that's like, you know, when they respond so fast, you're like, it was too low. So like, but that's something you don't know until you get the reps. And most people are too scared to get the reps. Like, who cares? It's competition. You get it right, or you figure out what you need to do next time to get it right. So true. So true. Well, plug your book real quick before we leave. I want to like, I don't know. It's not out yet, is it? It is not. So pre-orders will start May first. Um, by the time this airs, so I am like on a deadline tonight, the uh, pre-order page will be available. You can get on there. You can uh, sign up uh, to, to get uh, a copy of the first chapter. Uh, it will send it to you in a PDF format, and then you can be on the list. To go ahead and purchase, pre-purchase the book. Um, and that's all going to be at book.competeveryday.com. The book is called Compete Every Day, The Not-So-Secret Secrets to Winning at Work and Life. Uh, and in it, I, I talk about a little bit of what we talked about tonight and really I identify seven key choices, little things that successful competitors do every day, how every one of us have the ability to do them. Um, and at the end of every chapter, I, I list uh, five or six takeaways to kind of summarize it. But then I look at your career, your health and fitness, and then your, your personal life. And here's how you, two to three things that you can do to apply this choice in these areas. What can you do with this? And, and so that's what I want it to do is be more than just a, here's a fun read. I want to give people something to apply. And, and once you get it, you'll see there's free downloads in it and activities to apply on a daily basis. But book.competeveryday.com officially pre-orders release on May 4th. Uh, is when we'll start really taking orders. But if you sign up tomorrow or today when it goes live, we'll get that uh, pre-order in the queue for you so you'll get an email when it's available. And then we will be shipping those copies June 1st. So on June 1st, you'll be able to get it through us at competeeveryday.com. We'll have the Kindle version on Amazon. Uh, and then the audio book I'm hoping is June 1st, but maybe closer to July. Um, and then if you are like me normally and you only buy books on Amazon, uh, you're going to have to wait till September 1st because the official bookstore publication date for us is September 1st. So you'll have to wait till then to get the paperback on Amazon, but you can buy it from me at competeeveryday.com starting on May 1st. Are you reading the book yourself on the audio version? I am. Yeah. As someone who consumes a lot of audio books, like it's terrible if the author doesn't read it in my opinion. 100%. So, yeah, I, the guy that uh, used to do a lot of my podcast editings out of the UK, uh, he and I have already talked. Um, Malcolm Gladwell's last book, Talking to Strangers, is the most well-produced audiobook I've ever heard in my life. It, the book is incredible. 
the audio book is a whole other level. And so I sent it to, to James and said, I know we can't do this. <laughs> However, I want the music transitions. I love these pieces about it. And so I'm excited to see what James puts together. I've already been reading it. I'm trying to tackle a chapter or two a day to get that to him so we can hopefully get that online by June 1st as well. Yeah, that's, it's always so much better when you hear the feeling and emotion come from the person who actually wrote the book versus hearing him read. And I listen. That's pretty much all I do because I travel so much yeah. and drive so much that I try to fill my stuff with education instead of just music or whatever. So I enjoy it when the author – sometimes I don't even download the book if the author hasn't read it. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. And it allows, you know, Mike Michalowicz is an author who reads his books, and he does some little pieces. He'll add some things onto it. Like, oh, hey, in the book it says this, but here's why it does. And so I love that piece to be able to add a little bit to it because I have a couple of charts and downloads and resources that obviously on the audio side you can't see. But I'll be able to talk through them a little bit better uh, and then send people to the website to download them once we have that landing page up. Awesome. And then what's uh, social media where everybody can find all of your stuff? The Yeah, so Compete Every Day is the best resource. Uh, I still run all of our accounts, so if you say hi, I'll say hi back. Uh, and then my personal one I'm most active on Instagram is just Jake Thompson Speaks. Uh, so shoot me a note, happy to connect. Cool. And I'll put everything in the show notes uh, and all the links in that, and I guess to the book, to your website where they can find everything. Um, that's awesome Jake thank you so much for being on dude this is a blast you bet man thanks for having me thank you so much to everybody who tuned into this episode of the podcast thank you again to Jake that was a fun conversation I'm going to be thinking about that for a while so thank you very much don't forget about our sponsor Laura Lee also in times like these support the brands that you believe in your local businesses whatever it may be let's not wait on somebody to just come help us let's start doing whatever we can and is in our power to control so support those brands tag them on social media uh anything you can do buy their stuff whatever just support them and let's get through this together everybody all right thank you so much and until the next one see ya